This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID, the smart choice for MDL implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant and UL certified for all transaction modes. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AnvaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Anva community. Now celebrating our 90th anniversary. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, this week will be the first in a new sub-series of the podcast that we're calling Looking Behind the Curtain, Anva at 90. As some of you might know and might have seen already, 2023 is Amba's 90th anniversary. We started in 1933, and that makes 90 years. And one of the things we're going to do to celebrate this anniversary is get to know some of the folks that are behind the curtain at Amba that makes the organization run on a day-to-day basis. And when Ian has crazy ideas like this, sometimes the best thing to do is say, hey, I'll be the guinea pig. And so uh, we're going to flip the tables, if you will, this week, and I'm going to be your guest, not your host. And so at the end of every week, you always hear me thank our two producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. And so I am turning the reins of host for this episode over to our producer, Claire Jeffrey. Oh, boy. Claire. <laughs> now, you've been on the podcast before. I have, yes. This is not you're, my you're first. not always just behind the controls. That's right. Not my first AnvaCast Anva appearance, uh, but in my first in this capacity. So very exciting. Very exciting so times. So I will, I will try my best not to <laughs> not to take over and actually let you be no, in charge. No, not at all. We, I appreciate your guidance, Ian, uh, you know, the, the voice of AnvaCast. Um, so let, let's start there. Let's start with AnvaCast. Okay. That's kind of a, a, one of our more recent... Uh, endeavors in, in the communications yeah. department at Anva um, really has seen it grown. Let's talk about the early days where we where we started with it and, and kind of the idea behind doing this podcast in the first place. Well, I guess the irony in that question is it was kind of your idea. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look, yeah, I, I mean, can take credit, I suppose. Sure. <laughs> you know, so, you know, when other people ask me that don't know the story as you do, you know, and I tell them, I said it was early on in COVID that the communications team, yourself, Noemi Arthur, Chelsea Hadwin, came to me and said, you know, as we were all brainstorming, how do we stay connected with our members during this unusual time of not being able to, to be together? And you all rightfully said, you know, we're not in this podcast game that seems like everyone else with a smartphone and an idea seems to record themselves and put on a podcast. Maybe we should do this. And then you said, and by the way, we'd like you to host it. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, we could certainly give this a try and see what happens. And I think what started as a little COVID experiment, just to get information to our members, uh, has blossomed into something, I think, beyond any of our expectations. And I hear regularly from members, whether it's emails, notes from folks, seeing them at events, and they go, oh, I listen to you all the time. I listen to you during my morning run. I listen to you while I'm out working in, in the garden. Um, and I find that amazing and rewarding and, and exciting. And um, it's given me the opportunity to talk to a lot of people, whether that be members or stakeholders or other folks in the greater community that we would never otherwise get a chance to, to interact with, or even people that I've known from years that have this conversation and we unravel something we've never talked about before. So um, it's been um, very rewarding. And I have to say, you know, I'm not just saying this because you're across the table from me. Um, it's 
not been a lot of work for me because you do all the hard stuff. I just get to turn on the microphone and talk. You're the one that uh, does does the magic with it. No, but keeping the conversation flowing is def there's definitely an, an art to it. Um, you know that that yes and philosophy of, <laughs> of the improv that a lot of the um, the attendees of our leadership academy might have become familiar with, or people who've been at our conferences and, and participated in those those sessions. There's definitely an art to keeping the conversation going. Um, would you? Is there any is there anyone you've spoken to that has really resonated with you, or a conversation that you'll you'll you kind of hold close to your heart? Yeah, there, there's uh, well, wow, it's a, it's a dangerous question to start uh, you know calling calling people out, you know, because it's always so exciting. To talk to our members about the different initiatives and exciting things that are going on. I think, you know, when I think about who are the people I wouldn't otherwise get a chance to, to talk to, um, I think about uh, last year when we did an interview with the president of MAD, not the staff executive director, but kind of their honorary person and this young woman who uh, was uh, nearly killed in a <clears throat> impaired boating incident. Hearing her story, her resilience, and the inspiration that she is, is one. Um, another one that comes to mind, just a few weeks ago, we put out the two-week series on my conversation with Jesse White. Um, even though he is, broadly speaking, an AMVA member, he is not someone I would have had the opportunity to sit across the table with for, I mean, I actually was in his office for a solid two hours talking to him about his life and his career and seeing his pictures with everybody from Martin Luther King Jr. to presidents. And uh, so to have that kind of an opportunity that probably probably wouldn't have hit my radar if not for the Ambacast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or, or some that stand out as a little bit out of the ordinary. Absolutely. And, you know, it's just one of many communications pro projects that we have kind of gotten off the ground since you've come to Amva. And I, oh, I, came, to, I came to Amva just shortly after you did. Yeah. Um, but how would you say uh, we kind of have grown as communicators? Uh, in the association since you, you came on board? Yeah, it's, it's been quite an evolution. You know, I, I joined AMVA originally in 2009, and at the time I did not have the communications arm as part of my portfolio. Um, to make a long story short, it was a year later where communications was combined with government affairs, which is what I was the director of at, at the time, uh, and uh, inherited a number of, at the time, I think the only platforms that were in place you know, where there was Move Magazine, not as we know it today, but there was Move Magazine, um, and there was the Weekend Review. Uh, essentially, everything else that we know about in terms of our communication portfolio did not exist then. Um, there was a news clipping service on Fridays. It was not the regional news that we know of now. Um, Move Magazine certainly was an association magazine, but I think we have grown it in sophistication and relative content, and certainly the online version of the magazine um, is way ahead of where the digital version was at, at the time. Um, but I think just strategically, um, I would say that's where I'm, I'm most proud of where the communications concept has come to. You know, at the time, in 2010, nearly 13 years ago, it was very much task-driven of let's just provide information to, to members. Now, the communications efforts are so much more integrated into the strategy of the organization in terms of whether it's the strategic framework wanting to move the organization forward. What are our members' priorities? What are they working on? Being able to reflect that in the news and information we put out um, is really where I think I would say the, the most substantial growth has happened over that, that time. Mm -hmm. And another part of that is uh, member engagement opportunities and the, the various events we put on. I mentioned Leadership Academy earlier. 
that's another major part of what you do here at AMFA, kind of shepherding our our conferences and meetings. Can you talk a little bit about have you seen that grown since you've been yeah. to AMFA? Yeah, uh, so again, that, and so that was another piece that, you know, even though I joined AMFA in 2009, the conference services team um, did not become part of my portfolio until 2011. Uh, and uh Fortunately, at the time, of course, uh, conferences were led by Diane Graham, who you know most people listening to would remember and, and know and love. Um, but we did our conferences and events very differently than than we do them now, um, uh, both from a content perspective and in terms of a communications perspective. Um, from a content perspective, I think we have gotten much better at being able to align the topic agendas to what's really front of mind for our members to want to learn about, know about, and making sure the speakers and panelists really are the experts in their field to share that information. And from a communications perspective, I think we have grown up, I think is probably the best phrase I can think of when I think about how we used to present ourselves at conferences and events versus how we present ourselves now to the to the community. And it might seem um, a little artificial to some in terms of being able to have the right backdrops, being able to have the right stage display, making sure your PowerPoints look the right way. But when you do that correctly, it endears confidence and engagement of your members because then they go, okay, I am part of this meaningful, structured organization that wants to help me do my job better and I could see them doing their job better and it's kind of the rising tide lifts all boats. Sometimes there are emotional reactions to things that you sense and feel through communications that you can't always quantify, but you can qualify them in, I feel more part of this community. And at the end of the day, our number one priority in AMVA is to make our members feel engaged and part of this community. Absolutely. And, you know, we're, we're right on the heels of our workshop and law institute mm-hmm. coming up. We've, we've kind of streamlined that into three tracks that really hammer in on people's day-to-day work right. to try to, you know, really help, help them focus on, on the content that we're providing. Yeah, the development of the tracks is a great example. Years ago, we had tracks, but they were always just driver, vehicle, law enforcement, driver, <laughs> vehicle, law enforcement. And over time, we saw that, well, content doesn't fit into those three buckets so easily anymore. So we got rid of it all together and we said, well, let's just figure out the right topics that fit. And that was the right evolution at the time that says it's more about the individual topics, the individual sessions. And then as we evolved more, we said, well, now that we have a better sense of what that universe of topics is, would it help the attendee experience to be able to identify this is where it fits into my world? Or in the case of a workshop for an administrator going, well, who do I want to send to this year's workshop? How do I pick the right people to attend where this focus, where this content is focused? And so we've brought back the track ideas, but in a, a much more mature way that says it's not just about driver vehicle law enforcement, but it's about, you know, in the case of this year's workshop, understanding the customer experience or understanding our members work in data and in, in data management and, and so on and so forth. Okay. So we mentioned how, you know, Communications became part of your your mm-hmm. work here at AMVA. Yeah. Once it was just government relations, and then right. the meetings joined later on. And now you find yourself in 
supervising all of these different programmatic things, all of the driver programs, yeah. the vehicle programs, the law enforcement programs, the identity management, which is yeah. such a big part of what we do now. Can you talk a little bit about how that became part of your role here at Amazon? Yeah, sure. And it's funny, you know, when when we do uh, introductions to outsiders and people ask about what's your role in the orga organization, and, you know, obviously, you know, I'm on the executive team at Anvo, we've got, you know, Someone's in charge of HR, someone's in charge of finance, and then you've got, you know, me, Philip, and Philippe, and we kind of laugh about how AMVA is such an unusual association because it does everything a traditional trade association does, and then it does all the technology stuff, and I always kind of say how, you know, the, the team I get to support are the folks that handle all the traditional association things, government affairs, communications, conferences and meetings, and then all this programmatic area, which, again, uh, in 2011, when I uh, inherited the conferences and membership team, uh, along came with it what we consider the programmatic areas, driver, vehicle, law enforcement, identity, management. Uh, and uh, that, for me, um, is what makes the role so rewarding is that it blends, for me, both my background in communications, government affairs, that kind of side of the business with what had become my work in transportation policy, right? And so to be able to deal with those policy topics that the driver team deals with, the vehicle team deals with, law enforcement, identity management, um, is what kind of makes it such a rewarding, holistic role uh, for me to play. I am also extraordinarily fortunate that across the board in all this, I have basically all, an all-star team right, that's leading up a lot of these efforts. And there are a lot of people there that many of our, our listeners know, right, whether it's, you know, Mike McCaskill in identity management, Brian Orsino in law enforcement, now Patrick Fernan in driver, and Paul Steyer in vehicle, and, and they have teams that are, you know, out and about talking to members. Um, and then, of course, the other component, you know, is uh, Patrice Osmo and Julie Knittel that are part of, part of my team handling all the stuff as regional directors, and they're like all of us, their job has evolved, evolved, and evolved to, to, to what they do. Um, but it brings it back to that holistic idea of being the, the team that's really member-facing, finding out what the members need, delivering those solutions to the members, whether it's through a communications platform, whether it's through a best practice, whether it's through a standard, whether it's through a training video, like the recently released What to Do and Expect and Stop by Law Enforcement training video. Um, and so to be able to support a team that's doing all of that amazing work, you know, is really, uh, really quite rewarding. Worth. Absolutely. So this is the Ian of today. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about, uh, w you know, your beginnings. And I know you've, you've worked in, in, the federal, in a federal capacity yeah. uh, at FMCSA. Uh, can you talk about your career and, and what brought you to AMFA? How did you wind up here? Sure. So it's, it's interesting. So um, the first time I heard the name AMFA, was back, I was up in Vermont. So the first early part of my career career was in private consulting communications. And I got out of that because I had the opportunity to go to work for the governor of Vermont at the time. Uh, his name was Jim Douglas. This is the early 2000s. And I was the campaign manager for his first re-election campaign. And after we won, uh, he appointed a new secretary of transportation in the state and asked me to go work with her on certain priorities. And that was my introduction to transportation, right? I was a political policy kind of generic guy. I never had a transportation focus. And going to work for her there, I started to learn everything about transportation. And in Vermont, the DMV is part of the DOT, 
And so while I was there, the head of the DMV at the time, and longer term AMVA members will remember this name, the head of the Vermont DMV was Bonnie Rutledge. And Bonnie came to me one day and said, Ian, next year I am going to become chair of this association that I'm very involved in, and we have to do a promo video for our annual conference. And I said, well, I really don't know what you're talking about, but, you know, I've got a communications background, so I could help you do the promo video. And what I didn't realize at the time was what I was doing for her was filming her AIC promo video for what I believe would have been the 2006 AIC that ended up being in Burlington, Vermont. So I filmed that, oh, this thing called Anvo, whatever. I end up leaving Vermont before that AIC ever happens, so I never go there or see it but I left there because I had the opportunity to come back to DC, which was a personal priority of my wife and, and me at the time, wanted to get back to DC from Vermont, to come to USDOT and work at the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, where I was hired as their director of communications. So I worked there, and all of a sudden I'm working there, and I'm getting briefings on what FMCSA did, does and doesn't do, and they say, yeah, and you know, CDL and SIDLIS, and we work with this group called AMVA, and I go, AMVA? I've heard of that. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. And then within that time in FMCSA, we run the first major large truck and bus crash causation study. And I'm responsible for the communications campaign to get it out. And I get a call from AMVA. Jason King, who was at the time the director of communications at AMVA, says, will you come and give a presentation at the AMVA workshop about the crash causation study? And the work that is being done at the time was called uh, TAC, uh, Ticketing uh, Aggressive Cars, uh, which was this really neat program, you know, I don't know, maybe you'll edit this out, Claire, when you, when you look at this, but I'm going to go off on a tangent. So there was Please this do. great, great program where FMCSA and the state um, mix-up agency would work with truck drivers to put troopers in the truck and um, call ahead to other troopers when they saw aggressive cars behaving improperly around large trucks. Another thing of like, you don't know the connections you're making at the time, the state that was kind of on the cutting edge of this at the time was Washington State, Washington State Patrol. I find out years later, you know, Lieutenant Colonel Brian Ursino <laughs> is like doing this stuff in Washington State. I had no it's idea at connected. the time. It's all connected. And I, I didn't <laughs> even know. Not to mention the fact that I was working for Annette Sandberg, who was the colonel in Washington. Anyway, um, the point is, here I am at my first AMVA workshop talking about this campaign and communications around it. Okay, AMVA, they give me a lovely little steering wheel clock as a, as a speaker gift, and off I go. So that's the last I know about AMVA. And then at USDOT, I could continue my work at FMCSA, uh, working a lot with one of my early mentors, John Hill, who I found out later was a previous AMVANET board member. Um, and then I move over to the Federal Highway Administration. I'm working at the Federal Highway Administration, and uh, what the caveat I should have added is when I'm at USDOT, I'm a political appointee. Mm -hmm. So as political appointees, all good things must come to an end, and it's time to move on. And so at the time, while I'm looking as to what to move on, uh, sure enough, job opening in AMBA to be Director of Government Affairs. And so I talked to John Hill, I talked to Bonnie Rutledge, I talked to Jason King, all these people connected with AMVA that I know, um, applied, come in, and was hired. Um, and I also tease, you know, the another person that a lot of our listeners have gotten to know over the years, Sean Cashin, who's now in the position I was in when I was hired. Um, he's the only 
unfortunate soul who's had to work for me every single day that I've been in AMVA. And so <laughs> I give him a lot of extra credit for, for putting up with me. And that's how I came to AMVA in 2009 was as Director of Government Affairs. Interesting. So you were working on highway safety um, for, for, for many, many years. AMVA certainly has that as, as our focus. Where do you see AMVA's focus moving in the, in the future? We're, we're celebrating 90, we're turning the quarter to, yep. to 100. Where do you see us as an association headed? So it's interesting. It's not it's not so much that it's um, moving, but it's being added added onto because you still have to have that foundation of transportation safety. It's always at the core to why we exist and what we do to make sure that those drivers are safe, those those vehicles are safe. Um, that third step of our vision statement, Secure Identities, is where a big part of the evolving future is is going. Uh, of course, we've talked, I've talked uh, with a lot of folks on previous podcasts around mobile driver's licenses and what that future is going to bring. Um, and I think AMVA sits at the core of enabling our members to accomplish what is their evolving mission. Um, and also leveraging technology in some of the core missions, whether it's the future of titling and what the titling process is going to be with, with e-titling. And even at the core of driver safety and novice drivers, it's constantly evolving. And is the bar changing in terms of what we're expecting new drivers to be able to do? How does new technology and vehicles tie into that? Um, and in many ways, AMVA will continue to evolve to adapt our services to make sure they're meeting that cutting edge technology need, providing members guidance on different ways to continue their operational delivery, right? We saw that happen really quickly during COVID where a lot of the conversations in the AMVA world switched from the traditional transaction conversation to, well, how are you managing customers now that you don't want them in the office? And that has stayed. They still don't want them in the office for different reasons, <laughs> but you know, we, members want to push folks to that online transactions, those virtual transactions. How, what role does AMVA play in supporting our members being able to to deliver that? And so, it, it's a it's a dichotomy in that as much as our programs and services have to continue to evolve and keep track with our members. The core mission never, ever changes, which is what can we give our members to make their lives easier and what can we do to bring them together to connect with each other, connect at an individual level? How do I meet the administrator that lives three jurisdictions over? How do I meet my counterparts? And then how do they connect via the, the AMVANET infrastructure that we operate? Yeah, certainly as someone who you know, is, is an, uh, in your, on your team, I, I know that connection is such an important part of, of, of your philosophy and how you work with people and making sure that you're connected with people. I wonder how the, the yes and philosophy mm. resonates with you. Uh, you bring it up a lot of times in our, in our team meetings. We've done it on, in the external meetings. How does that, yeah. that saying yes and, and taking things from there, how does that resonate with you? Well, you know, it, it's funny. It ties back directly to your last question about where, where is AMVA going? Mm -hmm. And my answer to that, it's always about adding, adding on. Um, the yes and philosophy, um, I think, serves in two critical ways. Um, the first is just being able to more effectively communicate with somebody and being an active listener and in the moment of what they're saying to you rather than pre-formulating a response, rather than thinking about why their idea doesn't work, but really trying to think how can we make it work. 
And then that second piece is exactly where it fits into our programmatic delivery. If a member has a challenge, how do we figure out how we can help them solve it? Um, maybe it's not something we've thought about before, but yes, and we could solve that for you. Yes, and we maybe have something that you don't know about. Uh, yes, and let's have more discussion about that. Sometimes it's as simple as that. Even if it's something that doesn't work, let's try it. Yes, let me hear what you're saying and see what we can come of this. Uh, the other side of yes and is not being afraid to fail because you want to hear what someone's saying and try something. And I think that, you know, that's also been something that I've hopefully tried to bring to our team to say, let's try new ideas. Probably some of you are like, okay, and it's enough with the new ideas. You know, let's just do stuff. Uh, but that's okay too, right? You know, and I think you need that push and pull between, you know, not settling for the fact that you have something that works because you can have something that works really well, it doesn't mean you shouldn't try to make it better. And I think that's, to me, the yes and philosophy is about all those things that are so much bigger than just an improv exercise. Yes, and let's do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, you had the idea, yes. And sure, I'll try it. I've never done it before. I've, you know, unlike you that has an on-air background. Once upon a time. <laughs> That was never anything that I that I did. I was never the the you know. I mean, I'm the guy in front of the microphone in terms of like you know always the MC kind of thing. But in terms of the, this dynamic, I, but yeah, yes, and let's give it a try. Yes. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, we'll pack it up and do something else. Well, I have certainly enjoyed doing it um, with you. Uh, makes my job very very easy because <laughs> I just am. I'm basically doing the technical issues on the end. Uh, but you yeah, know, you've taken on the responsibility of really leading the conversation. And and the yes and has helped in that conversation because it allows me to go where my guest naturally and organically takes us. Mm -hmm. You know, I can help them get there with some prodding questions, but, you know, I don't go into it with a preconceived notion as to what the conversation has to be. Sure. Well, it's been a pleasure being along for the ride. See where yeah. we go from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We've just hit twenty five thousand downloads. See where we are by the end of the year. For sure, for sure, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, Ian, uh, do you, would you like to wrap us up as our as our host, or would you like me to take on the the reins? You've you've been hosting. <laughs> you should you should tie well, it up. So we'll, well, we'll do your tag, Ian. Be well. So, yeah. so speaking of that, before I let stay you well, stay well, stay well. Excuse me. Yeah. Before I let you go. Yeah. Where did stay well come from? <laughs> so it's funny, you know, as we talked before, this all started during COVID. Right. And, you know, if you remember, every time you got on a call, you know, during COVID, it's, how you doing? You holding up okay? I'm holding up okay. And everyone's just fine. Just, just fine. fine, thanks. Well, that was you. Yeah, just fine. fine. Everything's it's all fine. fine. Everything's fine. fine. <laughs> um, you had toddlers in the house, so your fine was different than my fine. Um, but I wanted a way at the end to recognize that we were all going through this experience together and it was a challenge without it being over the top, without it being, you know, stay safe, be healthy, wash your hands, wear your mask, whatever other craziness, you know, was going on at the time. And so early on, I just started saying that, that that idea that, you know, everyone's out there, we are in it together, just keep hanging in there without saying, hang in there, team. Um, and that's where, you know, kind of stay well started from. 
And I just, uh, after I started doing that, I just couldn't come up with anything better. Well, I think, I think it's an excellent tag. And, and with that, I'm going to say thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. And everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.